Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. It's like this gigantic portion of noodles, five hard-boiled eggs, five chicken drumsticks, and they are just, it's ASMR. You're hearing like, and it's just a one-minute video of somebody. I got to pull one up and share my screen. This will be funny to actually do. This is The Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. All right, I have well, to start. Point. What the what? hell was that, Greg? What? what? What happened? I just saw you creepily move your mouth to say something, but I heard nothing except yeah, you... for maybe a whisper. That was very weird. Was it you clicking really? the got it thing? It was like when you were clicking, the, like it looked like that you were clicking the thing that like once it says he's recording, you have to click it. You like made this weird, like you mouthed words like. Okay. <laughs> After last week's disastrous uh, uh, appearance from Key West, I was worried I was having problems yet again. Um, it came up on the Levitard show last week. Christopher was making fun of me because when I broadcast his high school games, I played a song called Algebra. Yeah. And, and I did, and I hadn't thought of that, that song in many, many years to the point where I had forgotten at the time that it was by a group called Soul Hooligan. Right. Okay. I'm a serial listener. Okay. When, when, when a song is in my mind, I listen to it 30 times in a week. It's insane. And, and there's a different song every week. Last week, it was All the Way from Memphis by Martha Hoople. Um, I don't know why, but I listened to that song. Just so many, a big Ian Hunter fan. Love him. Quintessential rock and roll voice. But, uh, and, and so once Algebra was mentioned, I'm in my garage listening to Algebra on repeat for hours. I, I just can't help it. And does that, I'm curious if anybody in the audience does that, where if you get a song in your mind, you just play it nonstop for days until it wears out, and then you come up with a new song to serial listen. Do either of you guys do that? Well, I, the I, audience can't respond to you, so Yeti and I will take a crack at it. Right, but um, I think that I, I have the audience thinking now, and they're going, no, he's he's a real idiot. Nobody does that. Now, it's one of these things where I'm turning into you, Dad, and, it, it, and I like get annoyed with myself when I become more and more like you, and this is one of the things that you you've given me this... I don't know if it's like a negative thing or a positive thing, but I also will beat the crap out of a song and listen to it dozens of times in a row. If I re- and that doesn't happen every, it's not every week where I have a song, right? But I will stumble upon songs and discover songs and just listen to them five times in a row on the way to work before before moving on to something else. Give it's- me an example. Give me a recent example of of a song in that oh, category. Man. What is a recent example? I'd have, to, I'd have to look at my phone. Yeah, like, Pebble Drive by Yeti Blanc, which you can buy at, at, at <laughs> yetiblanc.com. Honestly, not <laughs> not currently Yeti, but when it first came out, I did have a streak where I was listening. Yes. Yeah. I've done that with Pebble Drive, honestly. Okay. <laughs> I'll do it. I can't tell you the last one that it happened to. I, I know I've done it with a couple Talking Heads songs uh, when I was first really diving into them. I remember that. I can't remember the last time I really 
did it when it wasn't for research. Like if I'm if I'm working on a parody song, of course, I'm going to listen to. Or a lot of times, if I'm trying to get a certain feel for something that I want to write, I'll I'll plow through it over and over. But, but as far as just catching me up in in emotion and like I'm going to play this nonstop, it, it's been a minute. But yeah, yeah, it'll it'll happen once or twice a year, easy. Taylor Swift, Antihero. When it first came out, I did it. Really? <laughs> oh yeah, it's a banger. Wow. Okay. That I would not have guessed that. Is 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 liking Taylor Swift a guilty pleasure? Do you have to say that or no? I'm not ashamed of my music. Like you know, I have a wide range of musical tastes, and I, right, I like I like I like pop hits. I like Taylor Swift hits. I like I like that attitude. Yeah. And and I also admire Taylor Swift. I think she's great. Um, we had a disastrous, chaotic episode last week. I thought because you know I was in Key West and the internet was bad and blah blah blah. But um, Kate Fagan was on and she was great. Yeah, I, I thought she was just terrific. And she um, made a fleeting reference to um, uh, a, a chef named Kristen Kish, who had um, cooked her uh, a 40th birthday meal. We'd never heard of Kristen Kish, but I have since. And man, she is legit. Kristen Kish has a, a, a new show out called Restaurants at the End of the World. It sounds like an Anthony Bourdain vibe where she's going like places that nobody's ever been and finding great restaurants and it sounds terrific and it debuts on tuesday this tuesday on national geographic tv and starts streaming the next day wednesday on disney plus so that's exciting i'm, I'm happy that uh the that kate fagan knows some a chef who's uh, blowing up like that you're but excited about that huh i am I am. And I'm also excited for the TV show. I'm going to watch it. There's a lot of people out there doing content around, hey, videotape me while I eat and I'm going to be interesting. Really? And it's it's honestly, there's so much of that right now in this, in like today's TV viewing and internet videos. And to your point, if she's getting this show, she must be genuinely interesting because yeah. there's so many people in this space trying to like make content out of, hey, I'm going to eat this thing. And right. The fact that she's getting that big time show means she must be not only a good chef, but interesting. That was uh, one of my first observations about Instagram was that everybody's taking pictures of food, plates of food, <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and, and sure. I do think, I do think food is very photogenic. Everybody's reviewing stuff like Portnoy does the pizza. There's ice cream reviewers. Like every genre of food has somebody out there who goes viral testing. Yeah. I go around and I test ice creams. I test pizzas. I test burgers. It's the latest thing of it's it's kind of like podcasting. You know how like podcasting right. emerged and everybody had a podcast all of a sudden? Right. Like videotaping yourself eating food is very in right now. Yeah. Food's universal. So I mean, I mean, I understand why right. that would be a market to go after cuz you know, everybody eats for the most part. They do. That's a good point, Eddie. Some of us more than others, but yeah, I mean, but, and <laughs> and it's it's a way that you can learn, you can explore the world through it. There's so many different cultures that have so many different even even with the same ingredients there there's so many different takes on the same ingredients and so yeah i you, I, I understand that you think something as everyday and mundane as eating um or something that can be as mundane as eating you know wouldn't wouldn't necessarily jump off the charts but it's got universal appeal food can be funny um like those are the funniest weird owl songs are all revolving around food eat it and so there <laughs> there, there is a pretty broad spectrum that you can cover have you seen the mukbang videos, Yeti? They're like no. this. They're on my algorithm sometimes on social. It's like ASMR of eating. They're usually mm. Asian people 
and it's like they have a bunch of noodles, a bunch of hard-boiled eggs, and it's like in a minute video, they eat an insane amount of food. It's like this gigantic portion of noodles, five hard-boiled eggs, five chicken drumsticks, and they are just, it's ASMR. You're hearing like... Oh, God. <laughs> and it's just, I don't want to hear people eat. Just one a one-minute video of somebody. I got to pull one up and share my screen. This will be funny to actually do. Oh, man. I, I, I'm not big on hearing other people eat. Go on and buy your business while I try to find one of these videos. Well, I, I want to mention one other thing. One of the reasons I love the Kate interview on our show last week is that I found it thought-provoking, particularly when she was talking about uh, barnstorming teams, women's basketball teams in the 1930s and 40s, I think she said decades before the WNBA. And my mother, uh, my late mother was born, I think, in 1920. So she would have been a girl, a young woman while all this was happening. And I wondered, geez, I wonder if she had ever heard about that or if that interested her or it ever was on her radar at all. Because back then, you know, there's no Internet. There's not even any TV. How would you even hear about something like that? But I never had that conversation with her, so I never knew. And I want to tell people something, and, 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 and I'm being serious here. Um, find the oldest person you know and have a conversation with them about your life, and you won't be sorry that you did. And the, the greatest assignment I ever got in high school was uh, interview the oldest person you know. It was for an English class, I think. And I interviewed my mother's father, Pop Doogie, and it turns out, you know, as a child, he had worked in a textile mill in Lawrence, Massachusetts. And later he turns up as a matter of record. My grandfather is in the congressional record testifying in Washington for what would become the child labor law enacted in 1938. Never knew that before having that conversation, which was a school assignment. And there's just so, you know, there are still people living, although a dwindling number, who fought in World War II who lived through the Great Depression, who did all this stuff before anybody was noticing. You know, now we all live our lives in public, uh, you know, because of social media, because of podcasts, every, there, there's no secrets, we're all out there. But everything was a secret generations ago. You know, people lived secret lives, really quiet lives, and, and there's so much to know. So I'm going to suggest to you that you find the oldest person you know, maybe it's your grandfather, Maybe it's the old neighbor you're afraid to talk to because he seems creepy, but he's probably a real nice guy. Talk to somebody who's really old and just have a chat about their life. Dad, Yeti and I do this every week. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good line. Uh, I, I trust I am not the oldest person you know. But <laughs> what I don't recommend is doing a weekly podcast with the oldest person you know. The uh, <laughs> that's good, Greg. I also find it very funny that you're like, how would people know back then about these barnstorming events or these 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 college or these basketball games? Greg, you've worked at the paper for 375 years, right? Mm -hmm. Newspaper, buddy. That's correct. But that assumes that my mother, in her mid 20s, was subscribing to the Lawrence Eagle Tribune which I think is a bit of a reach, or that the Lawrence Eagle Tribune was writing about a barnstorming team in Iowa. Um, I'm just saying there's probably a, a chance that she had heard about that, but maybe a good chance she hadn't. And, and the regret is that looking back, there's probably so much about the, the younger selves that were my parents that I just never knew. You know, I, I rarely asked my father about uh, being in the Army during the war. Um, you know, the, the Purple Heart he won 
my brother and I talk about after the fact. I think I only talked to him about him about it with him once fleetingly. But anyway, I just think there's a lot to learn from really old people. <laughs> Maybe I'm prejudiced because I am becoming one. But <laughs> no, um, it, it, it's interesting stuff. Did any of them keep journals? No. Okay, that, that's I was going to say. That's one good resource. Um, yeah. You know, my dad didn't journal a lot, but he has some, especially from his earlier years. Yeah. And it's interesting now, a lot of our journals could be, you know, what we share on social media, really, or right. these podcasts. But uh, Chris, did you know that Wild Bill Cody worked on the railroad all the live long day or in his <laughs> younger years? I did not, actually. Yeah. So that's yeah. something I'm doing, you know, audience. One day we will do some genealogy segments or something because I'm helping Greg slowly but surely. I'm I'm, I'm helping do some some genealogy work. And it's so if you go on some of these sites like Ancestry.com and things like that, you can it's you can learn a lot. Even if someone didn't keep a journal, you can learn where they were living at certain times of their life. You can see if different people were living in their house through census records. You uh, and like I said, I found like an old census record of Wild Bill that said his occupation was railroad work. Yeah. Um, and so you know you can you can still learn a lot. But if you're if you're able to get your hands on a journal or any anything, if they were ever in the newspaper for anything. You can just even the smallest snippet snippet of information you can fill in with a lot of their story, which is kind of cool. I feel like they just it's a cheat code, and with really old people, you just put they were a, rail, a railroad a railroad worker, <laughs> and it just fits. You're like, all right, I buy it. <laughs> yeah, like, they could be total liars. I mean, like yeah. somebody today, like, are there still railroad workers today? Like, why is it hard for me to say <laughs> yeah, railroad? So of course there are. Chris, we have railroads. There have to be railroad workers. Well, when's the last time you met somebody at a restaurant and they're just like, "Yeah, I'm a railroad worker." Like they, I don't know. Okay. Are, are railroads a f railroads a figment of our imagination? Is that what you're saying? Are they all a construct of the simulation? They're called engineers. That's what they're called. <laughs> they don't call okay. themselves railroad workers. Well, the 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 people actually buildings and and the the ties, whatever those things are called, the big chunks of wood. Uh, those are railroad workers, and you're right. That is a tongue twister. Railroad workers. Um, they're not the engineers. Dad, you're lucky. By the way, you're lucky. By the way, that I'm having some Zoom issues and I can't share my screen because I have a good video here I want to show you guys, and I can't do it. I could send it to Yeti actually. Okay. Um, I want to move into the present tense, Christopher, and talk about uh you and Billy broadcasting the Marlin Spring Game because I never got a chance to hear anything about it. But apparently Billy said something that will just delight me that uh, that I want to hear all about. Well, like it didn't come natural, Dad. You sent me a text during the game, not saying, hey, I'm listening to you. Good to support you. I believe you didn't hear a second of it, correct? No, I didn't. <laughs> Thanks for the support. But the one thing you did during it was, hey, try to mention the Greg Cody show if you can. Just kidding. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Not really. So, you know, yeah, that good was text by me. That Thank was an incur that was a that made me feel good in the middle of the game. But I did show Billy. <laughs> it was literally in the middle of an inning I got that text while Kyle Seeloff was doing like a play by play. I show Billy it right. just because it's funny. Like like quietly I show him the text and he smiles and less than two minutes after that, Billy like ham handedly just works in like, Yeah, Kyle, you ever heard of the Greg Cody show with Greg Cody? You should go on it sometime. And like <laughs> <laughs> as ham-handed as possible the way you'd love it just excellent thank yeah. you billy <laughs> i tell you billy is great he really is oh this is great right here what am i looking at here right, oh Dad, my this god is, this is mukbang watch how fast all right so right now we're looking at a ridiculously large size portion of noodles couple right. like look like chicken wings chicken bones and like 10 hard-boiled eggs hit play yeah. on this video let's see how long it takes him to eat this look at deep breath 
And boom, boom. This is about this is the amount of pasta my dad consumes in a year, right here. Oh. <laughs> That's Look ridiculous. The way he's eating that, he is shoveling this. it into his mouth. Can't, I can't love do it. This. Look at I this. Don't like this at all. In ten I seconds. In ten seconds, he just ate that much pasta. Now he's going to move on to everything else. That entire plate is going to be cleared. What is he, a speed e a professional speed eater? Who is this person? It's, I'm telling you, this is the latest trend. Look, he's wiping his mouth. He cares about cleanliness. I, nope, I can't do it. No. No, I don't like this at all. Yet he stopped it. Wow. wow. Okay, but do you get the point? This is, this is the latest <laughs> trend. I'm telling you, you can find hundreds of these videos on the internet. The ASMR is really, I think, what people are into with this stuff. But I'm yeah. telling you, and it's all over my algorithm. I scroll by that type of video like every six videos. Yeah, I find that disgusting, quite frankly. And I'm an eater. Uh, I'm a voracious eater. No, you're not, Dad. You're not an eater, Dad. You're not. I, I love eating. You put me in a in front of a pizza or chicken wings, and I'm I'm eating with the best of them, Dad. If I put a plate of spaghetti in front of you and Graceland, Graceland eats more spaghetti than you do. I don't I don't eat much pasta. You're right. <laughs> I don't. Uh, it, pasta fills me up like nothing else on earth. It really does. And yet you um, still so, have a gut. Uh, yeah, that's that's Mr. Beer doing that to me. So tell, <laughs> tell me, Mr. Beer. tell me more about the, the game broadcast. How's the experience of doing that? Well, you know, it's it's a little it's a slight cheat code because. They do it through the prism of these guys are from the Lebitard show. Right. This is going to be a different broadcast today. So, like, Billy and I do our thing. We're not sitting there having to be serious baseball analysts. Like, we're kind okay. of doing our shtick, you know, asking Kyle about random things that have, like, nothing to do with baseball. And then, like, in the middle of him talking, we'll be like, and the pitch. You know what I mean? Like, it's we're having fun. It's a spring training game. I don't think they'd let us do it for a regular season game. I don't think there's a ton of people watching, um, but it definitely felt better this time. As you know, you do things more, you get more comfortable. Right. Um, and it, I enjoy it. Like, you know, I don't know how much a true baseball fan tuning into the game enjoys it. I know that our listeners that tune in tend to say, hey, loved you guys on there. So I think our show listeners get it, but it's fun for us. You know, I don't know. Like I said, right. uh, I don't know how much, you know, Jason Latimer of the Marlins loves it. But right. he doesn't <laughs> yeah. seem to hate it. He's the PR guy, by the way. Yeah, he would pretend that he loved it. Right. No, he, 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 him and Jason, Billy, and I have a great relationship. I know the Lebitard show relationship isn't exactly great with the Marlins, but Billy and I have a great relationship right. with Jason. Love Jason. Yeah. And, I love uh, Jason. I think he's yeah, a good guy. He is. And even uh, though he hates what I write, uh, I like him. <laughs> and, um, uh, but, but yes, overall, I, I, that's it's a fun gig, man. It's like casual. I love you know me. I love baseball. So right. and I work in like I, I flex my because that's of all the sports. Yeah. If there's any sport I could be a legit analyst for, it is baseball. It's probably the sport yeah. I know the best. So right. I throw in my knowledge. Like you know, I, I me and Kyle get into some like X's and O's stuff. I, I ask questions and stuff. So I I think I do bring a good baseball knowledge to the. But I'm still having fun. I'm still doing wacky stuff too. Right. And this was in Jupiter, right? Yeah. So do you get the sense that there's any, you know, big shows of the fans of the show that have come there just to look at you and Billy and wave at you or one guy before the game, like <laughs> shouted up, hey, Billy, and Chris. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It sounds like a plant. That sounds like a friend of yours who you pay to do that. What event or thing have you gone to where you thought you would have seen maybe had good fan fan response that had actually maybe the least? Oh, I mean, well, that that's one of them. One. No, but I didn't I didn't like we didn't really say, hey, come out to this. Like, right. right. Billy and I have done. I think we called it an occurrence one. At, like one yes. time we like just decided, hey, Billy, on a Sunday, we're going to go to a Marlins game. 
Let's tweet it out. Let's say we'll be at the Budweiser bar in the second inning and we'll just see. And like, it was a sad, like three or four. We had some nice conversations. We ended up meeting some people and it was cool, but I think like four or five people showed up. So that was a little. Was that on the Sandlot night? Yes. Yeah. And, and since there was a small, like there was at one point, four or five people standing around us. One kid came up to me and thought I was the catcher because he saw people gathering. So he's yeah. like, oh, people are gathering <laughs> around this guy with red hair. It's Sandlot night. And Billy kind of looks like squints. Like Billy and I like kind of look like two of the Sandlot characters. So one kid <laughs> asked me for a picture. And then like midway through the pic, I took the picture and then he's walking away. And I had this moment of, I think he thinks I'm the cat. So I had to tell him like, hey, just so you don't go posting this, I'm from a podcast. Like I'm not the catcher <laughs> from the Sandlot. And he kind of like gave me a look like, he he kind of acted like he knew it, but I think he was learning it right there. <laughs> oh wow, it's good. I'm glad you told him, um, Christopher. Uh, you announced on this show a few weeks ago that you have an interest in in learning the craft of stand up comedy, of of actually venturing down there, which is a brave avenue to go. That's the most difficult thing in entertainment, I think, by far, um, to stand up alone on a stage and make people you don't know laugh. Yeah, but, uh, you were at a comedy workshop recently, mm -hmm. and um, tell me about that experience. Um, it didn't it didn't go great. Um, it was you know we, me and my friend Alex we found a flyer for something that's like hey come you know on this Sunday from blank to blank and you know learn comedy. So we were like hey we're trying to do this. This will be fun. Let's do this. And you know they can't all be winners. I'd say these workshops, seminars, things. So we we mm -hmm. we showed up, and I don't want to call it sad, but it was a little sad and it wasn't, you know, we stayed for an hour or so, wasn't as beneficial as we thought it might be. So we may have snuck out the back door after about an hour and a half because we realized. <laughs> An Irish exit. They we around. realized that we could have as much, get as much out of this if we just went and go grabbed a beer and started writing comedy by ourselves. Like it was really right. just like watching a couple of YouTube clips of like Eddie Murphy and then like this guy talking. It was, it wasn't like, I don't know. We, we both, maybe we were jerks but we right. didn't really enjoy it or feel like we were getting anything out of it. So we punted on it pretty quickly. It might be one okay. of those things that's difficult like that though. Like you're seeing the sausage made yeah, and it's a lot less glamorous than maybe you would have thought. I don't know. I'm, I, I don't, I'm not saying you went into it with like instant fame expectations by any means, but like you, you probably felt there'd probably be a lot more energy there a lot more, and a lot more people. Yeah. But like, at the local level, I, I think these things start off really, really small, and you have to really let go of a lot of, yeah, whether it's ego or just get, it, it, or it's may not even be an ego thing. It's just like your comfort zone. You really have to get because you feel naked when you're in a room of small people, a small room of people. <laughs> when you're in a small room filled, or, what's small? Uh, Why am I naked? <laughs> Why are you naked when, in a small? When you're room? in like a small room with only a couple of people there, like yeah, you're really exposed. And it takes a lot to be able to like, like it's easy to feel like the situation could be lame. And, and I'm not saying you have to get over that. There might be better avenues that very well, more productive workshops, but like, it, it, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of that on your path. It's fair. And, and, you know, we could have probably stuck it out, but you, you know, you should have, I mean, but you weren't there. You half asked it. You half asked it. But but I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm speaking like your father now. I get I get what Yeti's saying right now. It makes perfect sense. But I I think if Yeti was there with Alex and I, he would have like looked at us and been like, Yeah, I don't I don't think you're getting much out of this. Yeah. But like I get what you're saying, and I'm not talking like 
I want to do sad vet. Like my first 10 appearances doing open mics are going to be in front of like 10 people. I'm not, I don't have this standard of like, I need to do it a full arena. It was more just this, like we kind of had the expectations. We Googled the person that was running it and we were like, oh, this guy's got legit comedy yeah. chops. He but does. he wasn't, it was more just like a teacher that plays videos for the class. It wasn't like mm. this guy really like, getting into the like writing process and like what he does to write like we wanted to like really learn from somebody and it was really just like all right guys welcome here's you know eddie murphy's a great comic he uses <laughs> this technique here and it's just like i don't know like i don't i've seen all these youtube videos i don't know I, I and you're right i probably didn't have a good attitude we probably could have you know just stuck it out it can be really uncomfortable it's hard yeah. it, it can be very cringy and it's difficult to sit through like i did i went to a stupid beatles cover show one time and it actually had a good amount of people there. It wasn't a sad audience, but like it was in like the lobby of like a, a city hall or something like that. And it just felt weird that the, the room was just uncomfortable. It felt very weird. It didn't have the same energy as if we were at a club watching a show. And I, I left early for that. But make no mistake, this is not me and Alex like punting on this. Like right. we went, we went and wrote comedy after that. My, I have like a whole doc now. Like I have. Something I, I kind of feel like I could go up now and do. I mean, it's, it's going to be terrible the first few times, but I have enough of what I call like a set that I like, you know, I, in the next few weeks, I'm going to get up somewhere like I'm going to just. So it's like, I, I don't want you to think that me leaving that that seminar a little early is like quitting on doing comedy. Right, it was right. just we didn't like after being there for a couple hours, there were still two hours left. It was far from our house. It was a Sunday. It was like we were just like. Do you, like let's just get out of here like we i, I got it <laughs> i also think that uh, and christopher correct me if you think i'm wrong i think comedy is a is a is a form of entertainment where if there's an art in bombing like you can make bombing funny yeah if, if, if what you're saying is not going over there, there is a way to spin that and win the audience back just by the fact that you're struggling so much you know what i'm saying i've seen I've seen comics do that. Right. Where like all making, it make, you know, you can be bombing in a quiet room and all it takes is is one uh line that, that you say in reaction to how badly it's going. Right, yeah. Like, around. You say a joke that bombs and then your reaction to the bombing makes them laugh. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And and speaking of that, uh I wanna say uh get to some dad jokes real quick because we didn't do that last week and I missed them. I missed my dad jokes last week. So what do ducks have for lunch? Quackers. That's right. Soup yes. and quackers. Soup and quackers. Now, that was number three for a reason. It was the weakest. Number two, what do you call a really old snowman? Puddles. Uh, you're very... Water wow. was the answer, but puddles is, <laughs> is just as good. I got I to gotta turn up my dad joke game. Let me see if I do better with number one. Why was dad staring so intently at the orange juice container? It was concentrated. It said, concentrate. said concentrate. Yeah. Wow. Yeti. I <laughs> mean, this is boom. Wow. Standing ovation for Yeti. I mean, I don't know whether to be proud or uh, just extremely disappointed in myself. <laughs> you should be disappointed in yourself. I really am. This is, I gotta, I gotta come up with better dead. It's jokes like while so Yeti got all three right, he like didn't get the exact phrase right on That's any true. of them, though. That's true. true. <laughs> Although I do think puddles is a better answer than water, quite frankly, because yeah. puddles sounds like a name, you know, like something you'd name a dog or a fish. Puddles pity party. Why don't we go to break right here? And then look, we've got we've got a bunch of stuff on the back end. Let's uh, yeah, let's go to break right here and uh, um, and come back with with three facts, Jack, and and some other good stuff. Good was a way to throw it to break, Yeti. I feel like we petered out there at the end, Yeti. 
big time. <laughs> Peter Puddles. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Before we get to three facts, Jack, let's talk about Sheets and Giggles. Guys, go to sheetsgiggles.com slash Greg. Use the code SCOOPS, 20% off. And it's not just Sheets, guys. I know Sheets is in the title, but Yeti, they have a lot of stuff at Sheets and Giggles. What do we want to talk about today? Look, we've told you about their sheets and their comforters already, but what about their pillows? Yeah. Chris. Their pillows, you know how you have to, you know these pillows you have to flip like seven times a night because they get too warm? Not Sheets and Giggles pillow. They Even after seven straight hours of sleeping, they always still have this like this coolness to it. There's it's it's soft. It's not too soft. It's not too firm. The Sheets and Giggles pillow is like all their products. It's the best company to promote for because you're being legit. Sometimes uh, podcasts promote stuff, and it's like I've never even tried this product. It's not that good, but they're paying us, so we gotta say it. This product is legitimately good, guys. The sheets are good. The comforter's good. The mattress is good, and the pillow's good. They got the full experience. It last week was sleep week. There's nothing better than good quality sleep, guys. Guys, for your mental health, for your family, nothing like a gift of sheets or a pillow. I know it's a, it doesn't it doesn't give off gift, but when they get it, you always get the text of "Holy crap, these sheets are good!" And it's a great feeling when you give a gift and you get that text of "Your gift was awesome." So yeah, and these pillows too, they make you feel good on the outside and the inside. So first, they're adjustable. So like when Chris already talked about their cooling fe- feature thanks to their eucalyptus lyocell uh, material but they're also adjustable they come overstuffed so if it's too firm when you when you first get it take some of the stuffing out they give you a little uh reusable bag you can put the filling in until you get the perfect fit for you but second they're hypoallergenic they're cruelty and chemical free and they're made in the in the United States sheetsgiggles.com/greg promo code scoops come on support us support them help us out Support your family. Get better sleep. Go sheetsgiggles.com slash Greg. Right on. That reminds me, uh, all this sleep talk and pillow talk. Um, when my mom and I used to go to church when I was a boy, uh, every Sunday we would ask my dad. My dad was not a churchgoer, and so it became a running joke in the family. I'd say, Dad, uh, you want to come to church with Mom and I? And his stock answer was, I'll be praying at St. Mattress. because because he liked to sleep in on a sunday so that was my dad let's get to three facts jack there are three things that interest him so sit right back for three facts jack number three 1960s tv sitcoms were very prudish for example on the dick van dyke show he and tv wife mary tyler moore slept in separate 
beds and could not say the word pregnant. <laughs> By 1972, the Mary Tyler Moore show became the first sitcom which alluded to a single woman having sex and referring to, quote unquote, the pill. So that's when everything changed. Old shows, prudish but racist. No. Okay. <laughs> I've, just, I've seen like old clips of like old shows where it's just like you, you, you just talk, they, they talk differently back in those days. Right. Yes, you're, yeah, that, you're right. Number two, the common spice nutmeg in concentrated form is a hallucinogen with psychotropic properties. Nutmeg's inebriating effects were first noticed in the Middle Ages when crusaders would ingest large amounts to inspire prophetic visions. That might be the least interesting thing I've ever heard. It's true. Plus, I hate nutmeg. I am not a nutmeg fan. How much do you have to take to get like to, to get high? That's that's a good question. Right now, somebody is, is putting nutmeg in a pipe and lighting it. <laughs> They're probably going to have a really bad day. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, mob leader Al Capone, arguably the most famous prisoner ever at Alcatraz, spent most of his time incarcerated writing songs and playing banjo in the prison band oh called the Rock Islanders. <laughs> in 2017, his handwritten lyrics to a song titled Humoresque sold at auction for nearly $20,000. Never knew that hear, about Al Capone. I need to hear this music. I was going to say, there's got to be clips of like the band playing together. We, we, we should try to find it. And speaking of music, um, the, the Levitard show actually made a and song... You know out of me saying, and you know it, on the show last week. So we should try to find that and play that. I would enjoy hearing that. And you know it. 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 You know it. And you know it. And you know it. You know it. And you know it. And you know it. You know it. It is a banger, though. It's John Reed, the video producer for Lebetard. It's like a, it's, it's really yeah. good. It's only like 30 seconds, but it's fun. It made me uh, grin like a, a mule eating briars. Um, have you all so heard of Gary never Washington? understand that phrase. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's an Edwin Pope phrase. That's, that's deep Georgia. Uh, Edwin used to say he's, he's grinning like a, a, a mule eating briars. Um, I don't know what a briar is. I think it's something that uh, most people wouldn't thorns. eat because thorns, right? Yeah. But yet mules ate briars, which who knew? I didn't know that. Briars ice cream. Um, <laughs> has anyone heard of Gary Rossington? No. No. Okay. Gary Rossington, uh, RIP, just passed away a couple of weeks ago. He was the last surviving member of Leonard Skinner. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and he, and he was the guitarist who's uh, on their iconic song "Freebird." That's his guitar look, like you mean like like he's that's the sound, uh, and and he's the he's the last uh, original member, Chris. Yeah, the last. Wow. Original no, no, I member. got that, but like oh, when okay. you when I think of Leonard Skinner and a, a guitar like riff, I think of "Sweet Home Alabama." Right. Yeah, yeah that was the, the the slide guitar at the beginning of a "Freebird," and then the the just the wailing solo you know on the on the uh on the outro you right know, that that's that's quite iconic and people aren't yelling at concerts the cliche play sweet home alabama yeah that's true they're playing you know, yelling freebird right. oh yeah and and the reason i bring it up is that there are now no original members of leonard skinner alive and yet the group leonard skinner is going to continue and i i wonder i don't think that's necessarily a terrible thing but i think it's worth wondering because if if 
if a group goes on without an original member, should it or or should the group name die when there's nobody from the original iteration still alive? I, I wonder about that. Do you think that there will be a Greg Cody show once the three of us have died? Will will three people continue on <laughs> with this show once we're how profitable thing. it is? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, short answer, no. Um, but Leonard Skinner is not the name of a guy. I mean, actually, it is. Leonard Skinner was named after a, a high school teacher of theirs named Leonard Skinner, and Dad, they just you, changed the the spelling. Do you ever think about the day? Because, like, you know, we love the Miami Herald. We're going to be with the Miami Herald as long as they'll have us. But eventually, really? okay. you might stop doing this podcast for the Miami Herald. Right. I just can't wait for down the road the battle over the title of this podcast, like the Herald trying to keep, like, as if like we can't keep the name of this podcast because they would want it. I yeah, just like the idea. They can't do that. They have no legal right to that. You know, I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> they're like, know, no, we want the Greg Cody show with Greg Cody. That's ours. You can't yeah, have right, it. Right. Hey, Graceland. <laughs> I saw her. You're the Look at her popping up. <laughs> if I had a, a, a plastic mallet, I'd be hitting you on the head right now in that pop-up game. Hi, Graceland. Greg Cody would hit okay. children with a mallet. <laughs> Hi, T-ball player. Hi. How you doing? Are you enjoying T-ball? Yes. What do you like playing better, T-ball or soccer? T-ball. That's a good answer because that's what you're playing right now. Well, you're doing very well. We're going to come to your next game and bring a, bring a big throng of fans with us. Wait. How about that? <laughs> she doesn't know what a throng is, Greg. It's a throng. It's a large crowd. I don't know what you're talking about. All right, let's keep it that way. <laughs> no. Right, give, yes. No. <laughs> yes. No. Quit being obstinate. No. Okay. Continue being obstinate then. No. All right. <laughs> okay, give the headphones back to Daddy. Okay. And you know it. Bye. See ya. Not saying and you know it. Is that what you wanted her to say? That's right. And you know it. Come here. Come say it. She says it. It's no, Graceland, no. please. You're afraid, that's why. I said it to Pop yesterday. <laughs> okay. Um I have a uh, a Comley update. This is exciting. The racehorse Comley uh that I own uh fractionally. Uh I want to read a headline from Team Valor. Like if we're if we're talking what purpo- what percentage of the actual horse you own? Do you think you own like a couple hairs on his tail? Sure. Like what actual piece of comedy do you, do you can like do you visualize? Right. When I you're- think yeah, I own I own uh, one square inch of the inside of the left nostril. Mm. That's how much I own of comedy. But it's an important part. Thought you were going to go more sexual there. Yeah, you know. Thank you for not. It's a family show. Anyway, this is a headline from uh, Team Valor. Calmly canters home on top by about eight lengths. She won. Yes. Calmly canters home on top by about eight lengths in trial contest. Renier, the trainer, plans to run three-year-old Philly back at Lyon going 11 furlongs. Trainer calls schooling race a good experience for the UK import. Let's go. Uh, Want to yeah. know. And and now the I mean, we're like Jake Paul. Leon. We're like Jake Paul. We haven't really fought anybody yet. People are Correct. still saying, "Can can can we compete against actual racehorses?" But that's right. Hey, want to know? And and by the way, canter calmly canters home. In in horse racing, canters basically means you know somewhere between a trot and a, a gallop. Like that's an easy run. 
That's not a horse exerting itself. That at is the end, at the end, that's Tariq Kill running against pants. <laughs> that's that's exactly right. <laughs> holding up a peace sign as calmly was holding up a peace sign as she made the finish line. That's it. Now, um, Comley's next competition in, in Lyon, France, is going to be a class one race. That's a major, not a major race, but class one is a top level race for three-year-old fillies. So this is going to be a good test. When is it? Uh, I, I'm not sure exactly. It's later in March. But if she can can win a class one race, um, that's major. You know, this is a horse continuing to show a lot of progress, uh, a lot of potential. How much money did you win for that? This this was not a, a, a stakes race. Mm. This was a training. This was a training contest. That which is why I'm not overemphasizing the importance of an eight length victory, but still impressive. You know. This is the kind of race where if, if she had finished in fourth place and just didn't look good, you would you would sag. You know, your, your hopes would really be deflated because uh, horses pretty much uh, need to finish in the top three consistently or else they don't become anything of any note. So, so you're not sagging. So what are you this morning? I'm ebullient. Hmm. I'm ebullient. What I'm was very your, what happy was your re- for Calmly. What was your reaction when you got the Calmly news? Eight? lengths i mean that's a huge victory like does an owner give a fist pump like was it like a no but uh, i was just you know clark and i texted back and forth we were excited uh clark had video of the race actually i saw i saw calmly run uh canter and uh very impressive i mean you know can you send me that i want to watch calmly yeah i will but but to see our silks the uh the red and green with the distinctive v um finishing first by a huge length, you know, your first thought is, well, it's only a training race. You know what? It's a bunch of horses with jockeys all trying to win. And so when you win by eight lengths, uh, that's that's damn impressive. So I will send you that video. Um, I want to talk briefly about uh, Novak Djokovic being denied an exemption and, and not being allowed to play in next month's or next week's uh, Miami Open tennis tournament. Because I got a lot of shit for that column on the Levitard show. Dan and Mike uh, were painting me like some far-right zealot because I had <laughs> dared write that I thought Djokovic should be allowed to play in the tournament. Um, I am the least the least from a far-right zealot as anybody I know. As last week when I uh, mentioned Ron DeSantis' dystopian state for being anti-drag show. So I, I just want to say... I stand by what I wrote, man. I, I think Djokovic, you know, they're going to lift all of the they're going to lift all of the restrictions in May. And the idea that they couldn't make an exception for him a, a month early is is just it's punitive to me. It's just it's unnecessary. But uh, it is what it is, as great men have said uh, for at least the last 10 years. Could there so. be any worse name for a college team than Fairleigh Dickinson? <laughs> Why? I mean, it's just, it's just like the least intimate, like it's just. Well, Greg, fair dick, man. Like, <laughs> I mean, you know, fair dick. That's I mean, their nickname. I just like, I get it. It's just a university name. It's not like they're not creating these names to like be sports teams, but. uh, Fairly Dickinson, uh, you, you bring that up because they're the number 16 seed that beat number one Purdue in the first round. Only the second time that's ever happened. 16 beating one. In men's basketball. Yeah. In men's basketball, it's happened in women's. Right. Last week on the Levitard show, we had a sound clip ready to play of the Dickinson coach. He calls out Purdue. He's like, "I want, I want them to hear this. Purdue, we're coming for it." Hey, hey. I don't want this. I don't want Purdue to see this. Right? The more I watch Purdue, the more I think we can beat them. Yeah, yes. Let's go shock the world. Let's go do it. <laughs> 
We were going to play that sound to mock him on the, like, oh, before wow. the game of like, can you believe this 16 seed call like being that aggressive towards Purdue? Right. And then they end up winning. Good thing we didn't get to that sound because we would have looked like idiots. <laughs> yeah, he dared his players to shock the world, quote unquote, which what else are you going to say right. if you're I the coach of the 16 seed? It'd be I mean, weird that's... if a 16 seed coach was like, we're f Right. Let's try to let's try to lose by less than forty points. Yeah, that, that's the that's the pregame. Let's be team. honest, guys. We got no shot today. Right. Now the 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 people who are infatuated with March Madness, uh, and I'm an ag, I'm sort of a a March Mag March Madness agnostic. March Maga. I mean, going back no, to the last. No, no, don't, don't don't go there. No, please, no, no March Madness, please. Okay. Um. You know, I casually follow it. I'm not insane. I don't fill out a bracket. I'm not in an office pool. But the people who are, the people who love March Madness, um, are exalting because in the first two days of this tournament, 16 beats a one, 15 Princeton beats two Arizona, a number four seed loses, a number six loses, and everybody loves these upsets. But my point is, calm down. Cream rises, okay? You see this every year. You get the big first-round upset, and those teams take a crap. That's why in the history of the men's Final Four, only 11s, nothing lower than an 11 has ever reached the Final Four, and no seed lower than an 8, Villanova in 1985 has ever won at all. So the Cinderella fallacy is that this just never happens. You never get it, the 16 going all the I, way. I get your point. It's I think Stu Gatz has had this take before about how people love all these upsets, but in the end, it makes the tournament worse. It's like, yes, I want to see an upset, but I also want to see like good teams at the end. So it's right. like, I, I'm with you. I like the first round upset, but get the hell out of here, Dickinson. Lose right. to FAU in the second round, even though this game is, you know, already taking place. We're 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 talking about this on Saturday, so we've only seen the first round game. So, for all we know, Dickinson's already eliminated, and if they are, it's at the hands of FAU. We have either FAU or Dickinson making the Sweet Sixteen in this tournament, though. The Owls go Owls, foul Owl on the prowl. That's that's pretty cool. They've only made the tournament twice since 2002. This is only their second tournament appearance since 2002. And they have a chance if they beat a 16 seed to make. I know I'm, I'm, it's already happened, so I hate talking about this stuff when like. <laughs> so either right. they're in it or they're out. Okay, but but <laughs> here again, we don't know the result of that. But here's Fairly Dickinson on top of the basketball world after that shocking upset in the first round. They were a 12 point underdog to FAU. Now I don't know how that turned out, but but that's indicative of the back down to earth syndrome, you know? Yeah. Um. And and. and the Cinderella just never wins. That's the reality. And and even if you consider a number eight seed a Cinderella, the, the glass slipper has been worn in men's NCAAs once in history and not for almost 40 years. So, you know, I, I'm not throwing a wet blanket. I think it's great. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily as enthralled with the NCAA as, as other people. On that sour note, um, we're wrapping it up because Christopher's <laughs> waving his index finger I mean, uh, like a helicopter. And uh, <laughs> around like a helicopter, North Carolina. You still okay. love that song, man. I don't, I have no idea what that song is. <laughs> in terms of like songs that just had a moment when I was like in high school or a little after high school of just like, God, did I love this song? Petey Pablo's North Carolina has to, might be in the top 10 of just songs that had a moment in my life. Yeah, I, it's funny. I had never heard it until I moved to Seattle. And people, I'd, you know, I'd say I was from North Carolina, and, and they all would just yell that at me. I'm like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Hit me with the <laughs> yeah. white guy's sounder. 
I love they they like they did spinoffs from like every city. Like Miami, come on and raise up, take your shirt off. Like they tried to hit the same. Doesn't no North Carolina. (laughs) Never. Whatever happened to PD Pablo? I don't know. Was it Pablo PD? It was PD Puddles. (laughs) Okay. On that note, (laughs) we should try to get PD Pablo on. We really should not. Um, No, go ahead. I'm, I'm going for it now. No, yeah. I am. I'm, I'm serious. I would love to hear him do the song live and uh, and change the lyrics to uh, the, the Greg, Greg Cody, Cody show. show. The Greg That's Cody correct. Show <laughs> audience, take your shirt off, go right around your head, I mean, like a helicopter. Hey, that kind of thing, and work in a, and you know it, somewhere as well. Uh, audience, podcast family, thanks as always for joining us. Really appreciate you. We, uh, I'm, I have no idea what we talked about in this episode, but I enjoy those the most, and let's keep it that way. We'll see you all next week. That kind of thing. Dad, you mentioned earlier this week uh, an, a great idea for our merch website that was about three weeks too late, though, because we're already through March, basically. But you came up with the term merch madness. Yes, correct. So I think we yes. should get people just just that phrase. Go check out our merch store, thegregcodyshow.com. Shop.thegregcodyshow.com. Shop.thegregcodyshow.com. Check out all our stuff. We got. We're, we're going to be adding some more stuff in the coming weeks, but yep, new designs coming. Support us. Just support. I know we asked you for a lot, but it helps us. It pays the bills around here. It keeps Yeti and I, you know, on this podcast with my dad. So support us. That's right. If you don't buy stuff from shop.thegregcodyshow.com or support our sponsors, then it's just going to be Greg reading alone in his closet again. It, it is. <laughs> That's correct. This is Please. almost like a hostage situation. You have to buy a t-shirt in order to keep Yeti and Christopher on the air. This is the longest rap in history. Keep Greg out of the closet. (laughs) There you go. On that note, see you next week.